Welcome back, Open Your Hymnal listeners. My name is Matt Reichert, and I am so glad that you have joined us today for a very special Advent edition of the show. Um, Today is going to be a bit of an experiment, because Today we are turning our microphones around. Um, as as many of our longtime listeners know, my co-host Zach Stahowski, who normally would be joining me at this point in the episode, um, is a accomplished musician in his own right and an accomplished liturgical music composer. And so today, instead of co-hosting, Zach is serving as our episode guest and true to form, turning the tables around. One of our past guests is going to be serving as co-host along with me. So a few weeks ago, um, we were able to interview Zach, and I was joined by Tony Alonzo, who has appeared on the show before, and he helped me interview Zach, and today we'll be offering insights uh, here in the co-host's chair. Um, So before we get too far into the episode, um, Tony, I'm wondering, you know, what's it What's it been like to be on the other side of the microphone? I really enjoy this interview with Zach because one of the gifts of his presence as a host of Open Your Hymnal is that he himself is a composer and you hear him thoughtfully reflect on that process in so many of the interviews. I appreciate the banter between the two of you because you each bring very unique and important perspectives to the reflections. But hearing Zach speak more intentionally about one of his own pieces has been a real gift to hear all of the wisdom and care that he puts into his own craft, uh, which is clear that he takes his vocation as a liturgical composer really seriously. And I appreciate it. It's make what makes him a good composer, but it's also what makes him a great host of this podcast. Absolutely. I think I think Zach's perspective as someone who actually is working in this role in this field is is invaluable in terms of the work that we do that we do with this show. Now, now we're very blessed to have you with us, Tony, today, and and you'll be hearing from both Tony and myself throughout the rest of this episode. Um, as a special surprise, also to Zach, um, we're going to have a few more co-hosts today than usual. Um, When we decided to turn the microphone around and make a guest a co-host, not surprisingly, we had a lot of people interested in helping us out. So in addition to Tony, you are going to hear insights today from 10 other past guests who all have offered thoughts on this particular piece of Zach. So you'll hear them throughout. So let's jump right in. Please open your hymnals to when you come. Hi, this is Zach Stahowski. Uh, When I am not a parish music minister, I am also the co-host of Open Your Hymnal. This song came after a long period of not writing, and I'm actually glad that uh, Tony is uh, guest hosting on this episode, because this was written right around the time where we were going to have uh, Tony out to the parish where I was working at the time in Annapolis. And he was so gracious when we did the concert, he offered to uh, have me do two of my songs. And uh, one of the songs that we did at that concert was another um, 
psalm of mine called "Keep Me Safe." Um, we did another one of my songs too, but uh, "When You Come" was also written in kind of like this period where, after which I hadn't been writing uh, for a while, and I remember thinking about the kind of songs that we usually sing for Advent. Uh, the kind of words, the kind of text that we usually sing for Advent, and at least the songs that my parish, my community was really familiar with, were all centered around that idea of waiting for the baby Jesus to be born, which of course is something that we celebrate and we observe during Advent. But I think more than that, Advent is a time to reflect on how we are preparing for the second coming as well, but also how we are mindful and preparing for the many ways that Christ is coming into our lives all the time. And I think often this overemphasis on waiting or preparing kind of distracts us from the many ways that Christ is breaking down the door to be with us all the time, and how Christ uh, makes Christ's self present just all the time. And I was thinking, you know, if there's one thing to be learned from the nativity story is that Christ is always going to come to us in the guise of the marginalized. And so in thinking about that, the, the first verse came pretty quickly, um, just thinking about all the lost, the broken, uh, those searching for something is a way that uh, Christ is going to come to us. Then uh, the refrain just became this response about giving the assembly the voice to sing and to pray. Would we really recognize Christ when made present to us? Um, are we in a place with our prayer, with how we are thinking about things with how we are preparing for things where we would actually even see it if and if and when it happens I wanted to write, uh, you know, anytime you write Advent music, you want to have something that's easily latched on to because they're only singing these songs four weeks out of the year and then they go, you know, back into the hymnal and then, you know, you don't see them again for another year. So that was definitely part of the consideration. So throughout the verses, you have these little interjections of, are we ready? Um for the assembly to sing. The refrain is pretty simple and straightforward. Um, I think something that can be easily sung after one or two hearings. I think, too, this this particular community, you would probably demographically classify as a relatively affluent parish, um, being from Annapolis, Maryland. And this is not a critique of that parish, um, I think that parish especially was really mindful of their approach to social justice and outreach and welcoming of all our neighbors. I think being in that area of the country, 
um, and the time that it was, I think just pointing to the fact that Christ would most likely come to us in the voice of the marginalized, I think was and continues to be really important. In a uh, previous episode, Zach and I joked about how we wish that Advent were six weeks long, just like Lent is, because there's so much richness and so much music and so much wonderful imagery that it seems like, you know, in the three and a half weeks or so that we get, there's just there's just never enough time. I remember being on a hymnal committee several years ago, and, you know, for these four short weeks of Advent, it seemed like there were so many more songs we wanted to include than we had space for. Um, and it was great to hear Zach reflect a little bit why that might be the case, why Advent is such uh, a rich season for liturgical composers and why it's inspired so many wonderful songs. There's so much depth in Advent. There's so much depth in the meaning of what it is that we're doing. Uh, the scriptures can all be read in so many different ways. You can think of them in the context of the second coming. You can think of them in the context of, you know, the incarnation at the nativity. Um, I think, too, the mystery and I guess maybe the solemnity of Advent is still well-preserved as opposed to perhaps the over-commercialization of Christmas. Um, I think that space, that, that intentional time that we take during Advent is an inspiring time. I think there's, there's so much there. I, you know, as much great Advent music as there is, uh, I think there's still um, scripture. Uh, I think there are still passages uh, from Isaiah that haven't really been set very, I don't want to say well, but that just haven't been set yet, I want to say. We have the great examples with some of the great Advent chants, of course, the O Come, Come Emmanuel and, you know, Creator of the Stars of Night. So there's a rich history of just beautiful music for Advent. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and because of that, it's it's an intimidating thing to wade into um, the depths of all the great Advent music that's there. So I want to stick with this Advent conversation for, for just another second, because one of our past guests, Dan Cantor, uh, we interviewed him about his song, Night of Silence, sent in a reflection on Zach's piece, and he wrote, he wrote the following. Uh, Dan writes, The text of this piece is especially meaningful to me because one of my favorite visions of Advent comes from the medieval monk Bernard of Clairvaux. He says there are actually three Advents. The first advent is in the past, the birth of God in the person of Jesus Christ, God taking on our human flesh. The third advent is in the future, the coming again of Christ at the end of time. The problem with the first and the third advents is that we can't participate in them, nor can we likely change their outcomes unless time travel is invented. We can only reflect on their meaning. 
and we can do so with little or no actual change in our everyday actions. The second advent comes in between those two in chronological time. It is the advent of Christ coming to us every day in the here and now. This is the advent that is not of the past or present, but of the moment, an advent we can't escape. This is the advent in which we can participate. We can change the outcome. We can affect real lives in real ways. It is in this sacred now that we can encounter and engage the Christ in all of creation. Zach's text speaks to this with simple poignance. It is firmly grounded in this world, which is immensely more challenging to me. I can put his message to work. Its humanity reminds us that as long as we are in the flesh, our work is right in front of us. We need only open our eyes and our hearts. Which... Thank, thanks, Dan, for sending that in. And I thought that was that was a really lovely um, bridge here between this topic of, you know, what is it about Advent that is so meaningful to us? And then also this this topic of text, because the text to this piece is something that I, I, I really want to spend some time on next. And we'll hear Zach talk about it. We'll also hear several of our other guests, like Dan, um, who sent in reflections about this text, because it is so meaningful and it is so challenging. Challenging. Um, to, to kick us off here, actually, before we get to Zach, we're going to hear from Lori True. Lori sent in a reflection specifically focused here on, on this text. And as we'll come to find out here pretty shortly, um, Lori also played a role in helping craft the final version of the text. I feel very blessed to have had the opportunity to sit and to hear this piece with Zach as he was discerning the final touches. One of the things I truly love about this prayer is that it puts a real and human face on the Christ that's born in us again and again, and it shatters that all too often construed image of the baby in a manger, the one that is so easy for us to love. And the challenge for all of us to be ready and to be open to receive whomever God puts before us, I love that. I am so encouraged by Zach's writing overall. He gets it. He knows that you just can't praise God. You have to dare to write and to act and to live and to constantly sing God's justice, even when the world is closed off to hearing it. I think my writing finally started to get traction when I started with text first and didn't even sit down at a piano until I felt like it was something workable. And that's really different than how I first started. When I was 16, if anyone knows, the first song that was ever published of mine was a setting of Psalm 23, You Are My Shepherd. You can hear that it's a kid sitting down at the piano doing the 4-5-1. Um, it's, it's all it is, with a, with, a, with a spicy minor 6 in there every once in a while. That was the limit of the craft back then. Um, and I think more than anything, I'm, I may have just gotten lucky with that one. But so moving moving to text, I think during this time in my development, um, just in terms of writing, just being inspired by uh, other composers, other hymn writers, really reading through the texts of people like uh, Ruth Duck and Shirley Arena Murray and Mel Louise Bringle, um, especially to just 
really think about the craft that's going into those hymn texts. I think of then uh, the issues and uh, the different topics that texts were taking on from people like Marty Haugen and Tony Alonzo and Lori True and David Haas and the the insistence on being rooted in scripture and then also having that element of poetry to it and it's something that I'm I'm still like very much working at you know it will never be done honing that craft i feel like that's that's just the reading of of great texts and just trying to mirror it and just continually editing and re-editing. The original text was, uh, are you ready? And it was going, that, that line was just going to be sung by the cantor to the assembly. And it seemed very like someone was making an accusation. And it was Lori True who suggested, are we ready? Which gives it that sense of um, our accountability to each other, which I think, you know, that accountability, that identifying ourselves as a worshiping community is why we go to liturgy as an assembly. And, and one of those things that's different than just praying by yourself in a room. I think that's that support, not just accountability, but just the support of each other in the in the assembly is something I think we need to identify more and nurture more and recognize that when you come to mass you are not coming here to worship alone with people but to worship with people hi matt and zach this is carol browning from santa paula california one of the things that i appreciate about zach's music is his thoughtful approach to text he often has a strong social justice component in his writing the text of When You Come reminds us that Advent waiting doesn't necessarily mean to sit by passively. By singing that Christ is present in the cry of the poor, the lost at our door, he reminds us to prepare ourselves during this season by being willing to reach out to Christ here among us now in the last and the least. Zach asks us to be open to Christ working in and through us, the Christ who came, who comes, and who will come again. This is Alan Hummerding at World Library Publications. The song, When You Come, brought St. Bonaventure to my mind. He writes about the third coming of Christ, the one that happens between the first coming of Christ in history and the final coming of Christ in glory. That third coming, he says, occupies the space in between the other two. I disagree with Bonaventure a little bit in that he says that third coming of Christ is silent. I think that to be a real disciple, that third coming of Christ sometimes is silent, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it needs to be music. Sometimes it needs to be a cry against injustice. Sometimes it needs to be a shoulder to weep on and to weep with. There are many, many sonic ways that third coming of Christ has to be the presence of Christ in the world every day. 
Hi, this is Craig Colson with World Library Publications and Oregon Catholic Press, and I am so honored to be asked to be a part of this surprise podcast for Zach, speaking about his song, When You Come. Surprise, Zach, I hope you're surprised. Uh, what I love about this song, other than the beautiful melody, the instrumentation, which I think is just wonderfully done, very, very tasteful, um, and it really does set the, the tone for this Advent season, the more reflective season that we're in. And uh, But what I love most about Zach's music is the fact that he always takes on those challenging topics uh, that a lot of people don't want to talk about, much less sometimes sing about. And I love that Zach will um, talk about in a, in a way that really works together musically, uh, reaching out and uh, embracing the immigrants, embracing the prisoner, the people that society uh, a lot of times casts away that really are in need of the mercy of God and the mercy of, of others and the love of others. So I love the way Zach really challenges us to ask us, are we ready? Hey, Zach, this is Jesse Manabusen. As I'm listening to When You Come, uh, what can I say? Uh, someday you're going to be a great writer. Of course, you know I'm an idiot, and I'm joking about that because you are great. Your soulfulness, your commitment to writing things that have a direct impact on the poor, on our poor is prophetic it is encouraging and it is uh it causes i know it in the most holy way causes wonderful holy discomfort um so i want to thank you for for being who you are and for writing such beautiful and prophetic music you are a great blessing Anyone who's heard me talk about my own compositional process will know that I really appreciate in this song the different form. Um, I think so many of the songs that have been written for the post-conciliar church have been long verses for a soloist followed by a shorter refrain. And this song kind of plays with that form not only by including uh, a response that recurs in the um, verse for the assembly, which keeps them engaged throughout, but a, a meteor refrain. And I really appreciate that, uh, the way he's thought through that, especially because Advent is a short season. So if you're going to introduce a song to use it once or a maximum of four times over the course of the season, you have to have something that gets people engaged right away. And I think this song does that really well. Absolutely. I agree. I, I think the form is really the the sort of secret secret weapon here for this song because the melody is beautiful, you know, and the the text is 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 great and well crafted. And again, it has that element of challenge to it. Um and and I appreciate both of those things immensely. But but it's this back and forth, it's this constant involvement and engagement of the assembly holding one another accountable, really, and involving the voices of everyone in the gathered assembly in this constant way that that really makes that melody and the depth of that text pop um, in, in, a, in a way that it just wouldn't if it was a simple verse refrain format. I remember the first time I did it at my parish, I thought it was a failure because the Are We Ready's didn't happen. But the refrain was pretty strong. People were singing the refrain pretty strong. And I thought, oh, 
you know. And so we 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 tried it uh, for the we we used it as gathering for the first for the fourth four Sundays of Advent that year, and I thought it was it was good they were singing it, but um, then we didn't do it the next year, and then everyone was asking why we weren't doing it that year, and so then we brought it back, and then um, it, it was still at this point I don't think it had been published yet, um, because this was this. When You Come was actually published when we recorded the God Never Tires album. Like, it it hadn't even, I don't know if it had even been submitted up to that point. So it it's, it, it had a long life before uh, publication. And so, I, you know, I remember that. I remember, I think, making some changes uh, to the melody because of that. And it's it's always being, been a blessing, uh, the, the communities that I've, worked in to have that immediate sounding board and feedback. Hi, this is David Haas, and I've known Zach ever since he was a little boy. And this beautiful song is really a rare gift that contains a very unique and powerful partnership. In the universe of how music speaks to faith, I think we have two spheres, I would say. First, there is sacred music, which truly accomplishes the often subtle search for sheer beauty, for beauty's sake, where the music and the text truly has the depth of aesthetic art. And then we have liturgical or ritual music, which is primarily a functional art that's wrapped in ritual action and participation by a praying community in liturgy. With this piece, when you come, these two genres and qualities are fused together in a way that makes me, as a liturgical composer, quite jealous, actually. Because musically, it's gorgeous. Beautiful melody, beautiful phrases, poignancy in the arrangement, especially in the vocal writing and the textures that are accomplished. And then on top of it all, the song sort of sings itself, and it sets up this wonderful ritual dialogue between the cantor and the assembly and to use a phrase that I like to use in such cases, this piece prays so beautifully. All of this happens together with this song. It's musically beautiful, its theology is deep and yet accessible. It's a tremendous example of what ritual music does in both supporting ritual action and again, how it truly prays its way into the community's heart. And thus, as a result, it frees the community to pray it as well as sing it, as if for the very first time. You know, Zach is unique among many of our fellow liturgical composers because in addition to playing piano and guitar, he's also a fantastic violinist. And I enjoyed hearing Zach reflect on the influence that his experience as really a top-notch classical violinist impacts the way he thinks about melody um, and composition in general, which I think really comes out in this piece not only in the instrumental parts on the recording, which are beautiful and lush, but also in the way he thinks about melody and the development of line. It's very lyrical, and you can hear that influence of his uh, violin expertise, I think, come through in his compositional style in a particular way in this piece. I think being a violinist, a primarily melodic instrument, has definitely shaped the way that I think about melody and line and phrasing. Um, a few people have told me that. I don't know if it's any different than how other people write. I tend to like 
longer phrases. And I think if you played my melody, my melodies on a melodic instrument, it would it would feel intuitive in that way. I don't do a lot of leaps. A lot of things are um, stepwise motion, but still uh, I have what you know, I hope to be uh, an interesting shape. I think uh, working a lot with instrumental ensembles, which I've done, have kind of formed the way that I approach arrangement. So there's always generally um, instrument parts in, in what I write. There's um, C instrument and cello. And when you come, and I had a lot of fun writing those parts, um, especially I think it's... I think it's like verse three. It has a really interesting um, interchange between the C instrument and the cello that happens as kind of a way to do some text painting of of that verse. And of course, working in chamber music and uh, in string quartets, uh, the voicing, the way that you voice strings is very similar to the way that you would want to voice voices. And so being steeped in that, I think, uh, has also been for me. This is Lorraine Hess. I really love this song of Zach's. I think there's some great moments in this piece. I especially like the section where he writes, are we ready as the notes progress upward? And that note is sustained. And it really sounds like a question and a, a moment for us to really contemplate, are we ready? It's a great piece for Advent. I love how the assembly and the cantor go back and forth. It's very inviting. And I think this song is a real winner. Hi, Zach. This is Paul Inwood. I hope you're having a good Advent. In your piece, When You Come, I particularly like the way that the added seconds and ninths and even the occasional sevenths in the harmonies find their way into the melodic line. It really adds a kind of plaintive quality which goes well with this time of year. Hi, Zach. This is Mike Jankis. Matt Reichert has invited many of us to comment on your song, When You Come. I'm happy to tell you that when I celebrated Mass at St. Catherine's University on the second Sunday of Advent, we used this as the opening hymn. Absolutely beautiful. So I'm not going to comment on the text, which I think is wonderful, nor on the shift between verses and um, chorus, but I do want to comment on one thing that I'm very, very touched by. And that is your ability to use some really interesting cluster chords, some dissonances that most people wouldn't think really fit into this particular um, genre, and you really do it quite well. For example, when you hear the last Christ comes to us, are we ready? And to hear these wonderful B flats against what's basically a C chord. It's just wonderful. But I think the one that's really, really strong is when you have um, an actual cluster of D, C, and B flat all sounding together in the um, uh, chorus of uh, We Know and Receive You, When You Come. And the When You Come in the other voices producing those tone clusters is just lovely. So, congratulations. Great song. Bye. Help us to see you.
as as someone who who does not write music, uh, I find the compositional process to be fascinating. Um, in all of our conversations with composers, and sometimes this part of the the discussion makes it into the episode, and sometimes it doesn't. But um, it's always interesting to to ask about compositional process. To of course ask about influences. Um, and the times that that I find to be most interesting are the times like like Zach alluded to earlier when when something that that becomes so well known comes from a time when there wasn't any writing happening or where there was um, writer's block. You know, I mean, it, it's those moments to me that are are just really fascinating. And and to hear Zach talk about the. Um, sort of the inside baseball of composition, you know, both both him identifying his own voice, um, his own process for writing, recording, etc. Um, those are always the things that to me I find just, you know, deeply, deeply interesting. He and I share something kind of unique in common, and that's that we both share this incredible gift that we were shaped, mentored, and formed by some of the best liturgical composers of our time. And that's such an incredible blessing. And it's also a challenge because you're always thinking through, well, what is my distinct contribution going to be? What is my own voice as a composer um, that is shaped by those voices that have mentored us, but also kind of goes beyond it and offers something all of its own. And it's been fun to hear in Zach's own compositional journey, that kind of development and hear him reflect on how he thinks about his own distinctive voice as a composer. Well, and and in addition to that reflection on on finding his voice, you know, as, as you've described that experience, um, just just knowing that composing for the church today in 2019, 2020, um, is different than than it might have been in the past. I mean, the the compositional landscape is different. The needs of the church are different, but also just as an industry, um, things. Are, are different now than they were in the past also. One of the things I appreciate about Zach's own compositional journey is it's, I think, one that is more reflective of the times we're in than those even who started composing 20 years ago. Um, for so long, liturgical music was so collection-driven, if you will, really driven by CDs, putting out 12 or 14 songs all at once. And Zach's process has been different, notably different. He's put out a piece or two at a time. And I really appreciate that because I think the pieces he has put out have been carefully curated and discerned. It's not just putting a ton of music out at once. And uh, I think we have benefited from that, and so has he. And a piece like this that um, wasn't part of a full collection until more recently, and yet has really caught on in many communities, I think is reflective of a changing model of how we share church music that isn't so dependent on the creation of CDs and printed collections. I think this song, and maybe another one of my songs, God of Broken Hearts, probably signifies a different move for me where I think I was starting to really find my own voice about what it was that I really wanted to say what it was that I thought uh, communities I was working with needed to pray, and um, kind of a unique take 
um, melodically and harmonically than, you know, some of the other things that I had been written before. So it's kind of like a, I would say it's a bridge piece for me. I think one of the pieces of advice that gets thrown around a lot, I shouldn't say thrown around a lot because it's great, it's great advice, is that you shouldn't write for the purpose of getting published. And I think when I first heard that and I was a teenager, I didn't quite understand that because, of course, that's what you're trying to do. I think for me, I was stuck there a little bit. And it was when I started really just writing for the parish when we needed things. Um, and then also, I, I hesitate to say it this way, but almost writing for myself, things that I felt needed to be prayed about. Um, that things started to connect. Because you find that those things that we often feel are the most personal to us are things that everyone experiences and that everyone connects with. It's, it's, how, we, it's how we form relationships with each other is, is in those deeply personal areas that we realize are not our own, but are shared through everyone's life experiences. And so I think um, as soon as that started happening and my writing started to become more about that, uh, that it became uh, more vocational to write. I think philosophically, I think, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, the great songs that have um, formed us uh, all these generations, you know, written in the 70s, the 80s, early 90s. Um, what were those songs about? What can songs be about now? And so it's always the question, what do I need to pray about? What do the people I'm worshiping need to pray about? And if that's, I mean, some things will always be the same. We'll always have the same needs, the same need for comfort. Um, but the world is changing. And if the way that we pray about it and the way that we respond to is not also changing, I think it's hard to make your music relevant. And now, here is a recording of When You Come in its entirety.
and prisoner, the guilt of a sinner. In the enemy seeking, healing, forgiving. Welcome back, everyone. It is now time for the Open Your Hymnal playlist. This is the part of our show where we get to play for you additional music drawn from the themes of today's conversation. So I want to kick us off, first of all, with another Advent piece. Uh, This is from Craig Colson, whose voice you heard today. And this is his Advent song, This Is Your Justice.
Our next selection is, again, another Advent piece. This is a, a, a song that has, again, um, a text that, for me, really captures the imagery of the season, but like the text in Zach's piece, um, really helps challenge me to apply it to the that second Advent, you know, that Dan Cantor and Bernard of Clairvaux were talking about, that Advent of today, that Advent of now. So this is from Father Michael Jonkis and his song, Within Our Hearts Be Born. Oh, ancient love processing through the ages, O hidden love revealed in human form, O promised love, the dream of seers and sages, O living love within our hearts be born. O living love within our hearts be
We, of course, would be remiss if we didn't include a selection from today's co-host. So please enjoy this selection from Tony Alonzo, Weary Couple. A weary couple lodged within a stable The only space where they could spend the night Were other travelers happy to be able To keep her labor out of mind and sight But choirs of angels heard the mother's weeping And heaven rang with songs of peace on earth came among the outcasts at his birth. An angel came to Joseph in his dream and warned him so
And we want to round out today's playlist with another selection from Zach. So please enjoy one of my favorite Stahowski compositions. This is Zach's setting of the text Panis Angelicus. Thank you for listening to Open Your Hymnal, and special thanks to Zach Stahowski for speaking with us. We'd also like to thank Tony Alonzo for serving as co-host, and all of our past podcast guests for sending in reflections. Thank you for making today's episode so special. The song When You Come is published by GIA Publications. The recording you heard was produced by GIA on the album God Never Tires. Links to this song, the other songs you heard, and additional materials can be found on our website, openyourhymnal.com. Production assistance for this episode was provided by GIA Publications and St. Catherine University. Be sure to follow Open Your Hymnal on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and Google Play. For Open Your Hymnal, I'm Matt Reichert. 
Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Open Your Hymnal. All content of this episode is property of Look Up Here Productions or its content suppliers and is protected by United States and international copyright law. For more information about this show and its use, please visit OpenYourHymnal.com. Thank you.